and rolling wild. It kind of goes into giving yourself permission to play. Like, yeah, the breakdown doesn't necessarily say to give her a Canadian accent. But what if I did? Welcome back to Rolling Wild. In this episode, I'm hanging out with the lovely Hayden Davio. Hayden is an actress, a Twitch streamer, and the creator of the Percy Jackson audio drama. Though she's originally from Canada, she now lives and works in the American Center for All Things Anime, that being Texas. Hayden has worked on tons of anime like Goblin Slayer, where she voices Priestess, Ulysses Jean d'Arc, I hope I'm saying that right, and The Alchemist Knight as Batard, The Helpful Box Senko-san, where she voices Koenji, and most recently, she was cast as Siberian Moose on Kimono Friends. That's adorable, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have to mention a personal favorite of mine, Fruits Basket. I know you did some work on Fruits Basket. Yes. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of like major characters, but during the first half of season one, you can hear me sprinkled throughout almost every episode. I love uh, that. Yeah, I got to do a lot of bit parts and a lot of different delinquents or just uh, like <laughs> classmates. I was like, this is a show I grew up with. So it's super special to me that I got to be a part of it. That's awesome. I was going to ask you if it was one that you watched growing up. Oh, yeah. No, that was one of my first anime uh, that a friend of mine uh, showed me. And when I got called in by Caitlin Glass to just come do some Walla and bits, I lost my mind and I was like, sending out like text messages to my boyfriend. I was like, oh my God, I'm in Fruits Basket. I love this show. So it's an That's honor awesome. to be a part of it. I love it. That's so cool. And what's it been like working with Caitlin Glass? She's kind of a, a hero in uh, the anime dubbing community. Oh my gosh, she is so lovely. I love Caitlin so much. She's really down to earth. She's really funny. And what's wonderful about her as a director is she just knows what she wants. Mm. But she knows how to have fun with it. It's like, yeah, this is the direction we're going and I'm sticking to my guns. But I'm also she's really malleable. Yeah. And just makes it really fun to work with. She she always has me play like a multitude of characters anytime I come in. She's like, all right, so I have you for this one bit, but I know I can get you on a ton of other stuff. So I'm just going to get you on as many bits as I can and get you wherever I can. So it's really nice that she lets me stretch my range yeah and that's the fun of bit parts honestly is that you can just play like it's the ultimate playtime I'm like you don't know it's me but it's me <laughs> right right and there does seem to be a pattern with a lot of actors you fall into playing similar characters and having a chance to do these smaller roles does allow you to stretch so that is really cool um, and I like that you mentioned that she's that she knows what she wants because it's so important to have a director that has a clear vision when steering that ship because you work alone so much. Yeah, especially like for dubbing, because I know you've done a lot of prelay. I haven't done a whole lot of prelay. I mm -hmm. uh, would love to. But doing anime, it is very it's a very solo experience. If yeah. you do have actors who have recorded before you, it's really nice because you can play off of their performances a bit. Mm hmm. Like for Goblin Slayer, a lot of the time I was one of the first people to record just because Priestess's stuff was so like heavy and she had a lot of lines, uh, which was great. I loved it, but it was nice when I could come in and Brad Hawkins, who's playing Goblin Slayer, like the titular character, 
uh, if he'd come in to record before me, it was so nice to be able to bounce off of him. But dubbing, especially when you're doing leads or anything like that, it's you're recording in a vacuum, essentially. Mm -hmm. So having a director who knows what they want and knows the story like inside and out, it's so nice because they can really steer you in the right direction. Definitely. And when you guys are dubbing, because I know um, oftentimes they'll play you a sample of maybe the the original actor in Japanese. Yeah. So we'll have our pre-roll before yeah. we do any lines. So sometimes for me, I like to go scene by scene, depending mm -hmm. on what show I'm working on. So for uh, the helpful Fox Senko-san, um, Koenji would have like these big monologuing chunks of just her mm -hmm. fangirling, which was great and super <laughs> fun. I loved her and I'm like, season two, maybe, hello. But um, <laughs> I really, especially with her, uh, it was nice to go just scene by scene because you could keep that energy up. So we mm -hmm. would pre, uh, we would watch pre-roll for all the lines that I would be recording. So let's say it was like line 256 to line 65. I would mm -hmm. watch pre-roll for all of that. Okay. And then when we're dubbing it, we just let it roll. We get, I don't know if you guys uh, use the beep method or the chase method. So when I was working on the first few seasons of Winx Club, we used the beep method. Okay, cool. Yeah. I because I know there's a studio here in Houston that just uses the chase method. So you just right. dub right along as the show's rolling, which is super mm -hmm. cool to me. Um, we did a lot of that in Canada when I was doing dubbing, but pretty much scene by scene, beat method, just do it. But yeah, pre-roll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, what was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> I actually do want to put a pin in that for a second because you mm. mentioned Canada. So yes. I want to take this way back to how you got started in VO in, in Canada. Oh my gosh, it's been a minute. So <laughs> I got started in my bedroom on my laptop microphone <laughs> doing fan animations on YouTube. Um when I was like 12, I think I'd been acting for a while on stage and doing community theater mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'd always, I'd always really loved acting and it always had been a passion of mine. I played pretend out in my backyard my whole life. I'm like, well, I can't, I get to do that on stage now. And then eventually I found voiceover because nerdy me, I'm a big cartoon fan. I was watching like behind the scenes for like the creation of Teen Titans and I was like, oh, this is my favorite show. So, oh, there's behind the scenes. Oh, wait, that's a different form of acting. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an actor. I want to try that. So I started just messing around and eventually started doing stuff professionally, started taking classes with Kathy Westluck when I think I was 15. So she really gave me my start and really gave me a good understanding of what the industry was how to approach being on a microphone, what the differences were uh, between that and stage. And she mm -hmm. was my mentor for many, many years. And I loved working with her. She was she's just so lovely and down to earth. So I attribute a lot of my early success to her and just what she taught me about like how to like really play pretend and that it's not so much about acting, but it's just about like being in the moment going moment to moment and just playing it's like no 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 it's the same as when you're playing in your backyard right right and 
No, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that it's a good point because there's an honesty there and a sincerity because um, it is really easy to to say, oh, it's fake and it's acting. But the things that people really connect to are the things that are the most human and the most honest. Yeah. And so it's finding that within this fantastic context. No, exactly. So I went from taking classes with her to there's a school in Vancouver that opened a couple years back called On the Mic Training. And I had just enrolled for uh, sound design, actually, at VFS, which was Mm. Vancouver Film School. And I was like, all right, well, this is probably this is a different part of the uh, industry that maybe would be good for me to learn. And I got three days into it. And I was like, no, I don't (laughs) want to be an audio engineer. So I dropped out. um three days in said nope this is not for me I'm not gonna waste a year of my life doing something that I don't want to do so I got a refund and I took all that money to go take acting classes Hmm. to up my game I was like well I know what what side of the glass I want to be on essentially I knew I wanted to be on mic because we're how I found out I was like no we're doing mic tests I I want to just be on the mic I don't want to be the one doing the engineering but I I have (laughs) so much respect for my engineers because I'm like I couldn't do it but I am just like you guys are wizards and you make us look so good my my line when I go in I was like so uh turn up the acting meter please (laughs) (laughs) your sound engineer is your best friend oh my god no they're the one who's like I can make you sound super good or super bad so be (laughs) (laughs) no I love the engineers and like the nice thing about like Funimation is uh you can get to know the engineers because they're mm-hmm. right there especially because we work with uh, whisper rooms a lot mm. so I'm just gonna flag this for yeah. um <laughs> listeners um a whisper room it's like a small portable uh recording booth recording studio um and they have a website so you can check them out if you would like and I did want to point out three major things that I kind of got out of your story that I think would be really useful to our listeners um the first being that your first focus was on acting and working on your craft before making any big moves you know you talk about taking lessons and studying and getting on stage and even you know playing in your own backyard and really using your imagination Um, And focusing on that first, because there is a tendency to look at voice acting as, oh, I can do a bunch of wacky voices or I do these great impressions. I should become a voice actor. And that's not to say that those things will not serve you because those are also skills that add to your repertoire. But it is important to to start first there with your craft. Um, The second thing I wanted to flag is that you mentioned the technical aspects of acting. And how you seeing the behind the scenes for Teen Titans kind of was that light bulb moment of, oh, this is just another form of acting. Yeah. Uh, with its own kind of set of rules and, and requirements and working on a mic. There, there is a technical aspect to that. And there was a third thing, but I forgot what it was. So <laughs> we'll just keep All rolling. Good. There'll be that one thing that comes up right at the end. It's like, oh, yeah, there's that one thing. (laughs) It was really good. Uh, good. (laughs) Oh, man. So then what was the leap from? Because it's a pretty major thing. I mean, you moved countries to to pursue your career. Uh, Yeah, Um, pretty much. I like I said, I was taking classes 
And I happened to take a dubbing class that was being held at a studio, Azure Productions in Vancouver. They, at the end of the class, they passed around a sheet. It's like, hey, we have a new show coming up uh, that we're going to be dubbing. We wanted to give you guys the chance to audition. So the studio owner, he would come sit in on our classes and like get a sense of who he liked. And we gave him our name and email and phone number at the end of the class. And he called me and one other girl. And for an audition, I got cast in a show called Hanako and Anne, which is a live action like Japanese drama mm -hmm. about the first woman who translated Anne of Green Gables and brought it over mm. to Japan during the World War II era. And it was a super powerful show. He cast me as one of the lead characters. I did about three or four shows with them. Mm -hmm. uh, the last show being uh, Toto Nechan, but we, in English, we translated it to Daddy Sister. After that, I just started, um, I started seeing someone yeah. down here in Texas and made more friends down here. And eventually my life just started pulling me down to the United States. I always knew since I was like 15 that, no, I want to, I would love to dub anime because I'm a big anime fan. Mm -hmm. I want to keep acting, but I would really like to get into this field because I do love it so much. And I have so much respect for the art form of anime. Right. I think it's so interesting. I, I just think it's beautiful. And um, my goal still is <laughs> I would love to work on like a Miyazaki film. Hmm. But um, eventually, uh, during one of my visits, my good friend Tia Ballard, she was like, hey, um, come in for an impromptu audition. Your boyfriend's recording anyway. We'll get you in right after him. So she had me do an impromptu audition. She liked my stuff. And um, once I moved down and I could work, she helped me just kind of get my foot in the door. And I started sending my stuff in about six months after moving to Texas, which was last year <laughs> I can't remember it feels like forever wow, ago yeah. but about six months after I got like my first Wallace session and then during September of last year I got an audition for Goblin Slayer with uh, Tabitha Tabitha Ray who was directing it and I was so nervous I was like oh my god so Funimation doesn't often do auditions because we don't really have the time because we do simuldubs mm, and simuldubs yeah. who don't know a lot of people don't even though like we have them all the time. It's, mm -hmm. we dub them essentially week to week. We do one episode a week and we have to produce the entire episode. So all the actors have to come in. It's got to go to mix, all of that. And then we release it usually either a couple days or a week after the Japanese comes out. So I went in for my audition for Goblin Slayer and I don't know if you've had this with auditions, Alejandra, but um, <laughs> you probably have. It's you go in and there was so <laughs> much like like that was. I don't know if you've had this, but there was so much in that. Oh man! <laughs> Please but, continue. Uh, <laughs> when they have you read a particular character multiple times or a certain way, it's like, oh, try it this way. Oh, maybe mm -hmm. try it another way um she had me read priestess about five different times and I was like oh my god I must suck <laughs> she's having me do this so many times and then I was at a convention not a week later uh, it was the last day of the convention and 
two of my friends, uh, Christy Rothrock and Kristen McGuire, they're like, oh, I got an email from Funny. I'm going in for Goblin Slayer. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm sure like one of them, uh, I'm sure one of them got Priestess. I really hope that they're both in the show because I love them so much. And then I got an email from the talent coordinator. It's like, hey, you have three hours um, on Friday and another three hours on Monday. And I was like, why do I have six hours <laughs> for this show? It's happening. And my boyfriend looks at me and he's like, I think you're the lead, Hayden. I think you're wrong and you're the lead. So uh, you were good. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Goblin Slayer is really how I got my start. But that's kind of like the short version, the very that's condensed awesome. version of my yeah. journey down here. But I'm so grateful and so lucky that I've gotten as much work as I have in this short amount of time that I've been down here, especially being foreign. But I mean, I think that that also speaks to putting the work in up front, right? Because mm -hmm. you didn't just move down and show up and you're like, all right, people, cast me. <laughs> all right. Hello, I'm here. Right. <laughs> I've arrived. You're welcome. No, I mean, like there were there were years and years of study and um, and also kind of getting your mind right and knowing what you wanted and kind of laying down the groundwork before moving down? Yeah, there was a lot that I had to do. Um, had to get a work visa, <laughs> which is, I'm going <laughs> through <fun>. that again. <laughs> um, so I had to get a work visa that was specific for voiceover. So mm. I can't do anything else but voiceover down in the States. So I've had to... Uh... So it's another, it's another layer of it's got to work. Yep. I'm like, all right, so I'm here. I have to bust my butt to make sure that I can stay here and keep working. Yeah. That um, that Goblin Slayer story is also funny because it seems like all of those really big, exciting roles, they never outright tell you. No. That, that, you, that you got it. You're like, D did I? Did, what? It's like, what am I doing? I'm what sure. am I? What am I doing? Um. I was talking to Josh Keaton recently. I was telling you this, mm -hmm. but he mentioned that his audition process for Shiro on Voltron was the most drawn out, near painful experience. And that well into recording the season, he wasn't sure if he had booked it or not. Oh, no. Because it started out as a, oh, we'll bring you in to record some stuff just to test it out. And... No one ever said, yes, you got the part. It was just like, oh, can you come in again? Can you come in again? Oh, and no. uh, he was like, I was sitting at WonderCon, I think it was. And he was like, I guess I'm Shiro. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm here, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess this is me. So that is funny and painful. Uh, <laughs> the, dark, the dark humor of being in this industry. Yeah, because... I don't know if you had that like for shows that you've been on. It's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing today, but I'm supposedly here for an hour. I don't know. It's such a mixed bag because you would think that so much of this industry would be standardized and it is. Yeah. But everything feels like such a, uh, did, what was I good? Did that suck? That, that sucked, right? I, I got it. No. Uh, hmm. It's always the auditions that you think are the worst that you get. Or it's like, oh, my God, that voice was so hard for me to do and to maintain. It's like, oh, I I booked that. All right. Better get better at keeping that up. <laughs> right. Or when people say, like, be careful what you do, because sometimes, you know, it's an audition. It's short. And you're like, this is really impressive. This sounds great. They're going to love this. But it's not healthy to maintain it for mm -hmm. a three or four hour session. Yep. 
make sure that you can maintain that right. for a length of time. Otherwise, you will regret it. <laughs> right. Especially in video games, um, I've yeah. found where it's like really do something that you can do to a high level of vocal stress because that will come back and bite you in the butt. Yeah. Like, thankfully, um, all the characters I've had that are yelly, it's like, okay, so it's either just my voice or something that doesn't hurt me. Uh, mm -hmm. What hurts, I don't know if you've done many, like, boy voices, but especially when they want want you to give it that rasp, rasp for, like, the, the traditional boy voice is what I call it. And I was like, yes, yelling in that for a couple hours, I'm like, no, mm. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do it. It's going to be a lot of uh, honey lemon tea. Yes. No, those are a ton of fun. I unfortunately have not been cast to play any boys yet. But um, but yeah, those are a ton of fun. And I can see how those would be very vocally stressful after a while. The, yeah. the like Ash Ketchum, <laughs> you know, kind yep. of scratchy, raspy boy voice. The standard oh, boy voice. Yeah, oh, I like they're that. They're so fun. They're so much fun. Because I was talking, I was at a con, and I was talking to someone about uh, the mindset that goes into playing like boys versus playing girls. Mm -hmm. I'm like, with boys, you can be a little bit more gross. Like, you can just be a little <laughs> bit more, like, up in someone's face and a little bit more aggressive, almost. Like, I've played a lot of tomboy characters that are up in your face. But with boys, they're, especially young boys, they're very sometimes loud, a little obnoxious, and no volume control. So you really get to just play with your levels. And as my teachers always call them, like peaks and valleys, like you can really mm -hmm. like just kind of go the extra mile sometimes with younger boys. And I think it's just really fun. It's a whole other mindset. Yeah. No, I like that you bring up mindset. Um, Charlie Adler, who is a legend in BO, mm -hmm. talks about when you play younger characters, you know, as actors, we bring a lot of our experience and, and, and our life to our characters. Yeah. And when you're playing younger characters, there is sometimes a bit of that life experience that kind of seeps in and it it's a it's a you know you're doing a young voice, but the delivery kind of ages it up. And it's really finding that young happy kind of in your face no inhibitions attitude again and yeah, really exactly. giving that life. Um I actually just did a couple auditions for young characters that are like around like I think they said seven to nine um like they're magical creatures but they're still young kids mm -hmm. and um being as vague as I can <laughs> but um I was like okay so what these characters or as or what I as the character I've been working with Richard Horvitz so he's like no 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 it's not the character it's you because you if you say I and speak as if you are this character there won't be like a degree of separation and the performance will feel a lot more real although he won't let me call it a performance so <laughs> um, this but... lived experience will be more lived lived experience exactly <laughs> like, no 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 it's you not not them it's you it's like okay <laughs> but um while reading for these characters, it's like, okay, what would they want? Their wants are going to be a lot more simplistic mm -hmm. because finding like what your character wants is such an amazing way to get into their headspace because yeah. if you're coming from a place of it's like, okay, so for, for Moose, for example, her want throughout the entire 
first episode you meet her is she wants to fight lion that's all she wants that's all Mm. she cares about she just wants to have a one-on-one battle with this lion and that's it that i want to fight lion and if you're thinking that whatever you're thinking while you're recording comes through Mm -hmm. it's like if you're thinking it we will hear it in your voice so if you're thinking oh my god i can't wait to get just through the session that's going to come through and your performance will not be as true so when you're pl- like going back to saying when you're playing young characters um it's like sometimes it's like i just want to have fun like mm-hmm. my i my character she just wants to i just want to finish this painting today everything's going wrong like of course with children's shows hijinks will ensue <laughs> to stop uh the character's from getting to where they want to go. But it's like, I just want to finish this mural. And I know that, you know, let's, hypotheticals, there's a dragon attacking us, but I don't care about that. I just want to get, I want to go finish this mural or something like that. Mm -hmm. And finding like those childish wants, for me, at least, I don't know how you find it, but for me, at least, remembering those childish wants and remembering the simplicity of, uh, childish mindsets helps me get into the characters a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do get that because I, I like to work from a place of motivation. Sorry, I rambled. To... <laughs> no, no, it's not a ramble. It's, um, it makes sense. Okay, good. <laughs> I do like that. Um, I actually want to flesh it out even more if you're cool with that. Yeah, and looking at your process. So like when an audition comes in, or you get new sides, or you're up for a new character. How does that process look starting from, okay, I got the email or whatever it is. I got the call. Here's this character. Here are the signs. And where do you go from there? For me, uh, the first thing it goes back to what I was saying is finding the want. Um, Mm -hmm. Just reading through. And this is something that has been really instilled in me, especially lately going back, taking more classes and just uh, brushing up on my craft. I'm always working. I'm always trying to get better and improve and for finding my character and finding you know finding out who they are and where I what I want to do with them where I want to go with it I will first look at just the dialogue itself and I won't read the uh synopsis Mm -hmm. or like the character breakdown I'll just read through the dialogue and try to figure out all right who am I talking to where might I be um why am I saying what I'm saying? And honestly, with that, you can find out so much about who this character is. And once you have an idea of what you want or like what your character wants and what's kind of driving them, I usually go up, read the breakdown and it's like, all right, so what in this breakdown stands out to me? Like what are key character traits that spring out to me like let's say I had a character recently who's really competitive and she wanted to win at everything and there was a thing it's like oh like her parents are animals it's like okay well that doesn't really mean anything to how I'm gonna behave at all and then if I get a picture uh, if they have any like physical traits I'll try to maybe bring that in like if they have like a really big nose or something like that it's like all right well If they have just like this big bulbous nose, they might be like a little bit more nasally or anything like that. If their face is droopy, they might have 
like I'll make it sound like they have like bigger cheeks or anything like that. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I hope so. <laughs> it makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to our listeners. I, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. I think it does. Um, because I've talked about that too, where, you know, you kind of turn into a detective mm-hmm. and you use anything that's available to you. Um, and, and nowadays it's less and less that is available to you because it is the era of NDAs and untitled projects. And, um, yeah, so there, there is a lot less information, so you kind of have to mine your, your sides for it. But I love that you go to the dialogue and the scene first, Mm -hmm. because when you're given something, you know, the first page is usually the breakdown, the age, maybe the tone they're looking for some background about the character and that's all great it's not to say to ignore it entirely no yeah but I love that you go to the scene um and the lines and see how that speaks to you personally and specifically yeah so that that can then color the breakdown no and it definitely helps because once you've read the scene um once you go to the breakdown you get the context you can get a little bit more context for the scene. Oftentimes in the scene, you're like, all right, cool. This makes kind of makes sense. I know (laughs) I essentially know who this person is. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I go to the breakdown, I figure out um, like the specifics and being really specific with like your choices as an actor will help it come alive so much more in my opinion, just being super specific yeah, no, 100%. I think specificity is key mm-hmm. because it's what makes it not another generic sound. Um, you know, your casting director or whoever is listening to this audition is going to listen to hundreds, if not a thousand of these. Yeah. And it can be really easy to fall into the 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 most common denominatory, common sense read of something. Mm-hmm. There are certain things where you don't get a lot and there is kind of a common sense read. And it's really hard not to fall into that if you're not making it specific for yourself in any other way. Which doesn't mean to make it quirky or wacky just for the heck of it. You know, whatever happens has to be organic to the character. But that is a great way to, to kind of separate your read out from a group because it's going to be uniquely yours in that sense. Yeah, because everyone is going to find something different in the sides Mm -hmm. um like I've talked to other friends who auditioned for the same shows as me and they're like oh this Mm -hmm. is what I did with it and this is uh where I wanted to take her I was like oh that's completely different from what I was thinking Mm. um like other friends who auditioned for like kimono friends or goblin slayer they're like oh this is like the approach that I took with priestess or that I took with moose Mm. um And it's interesting having those conversations and because it's like just because one of us got the role doesn't mean um, that the other person either didn't do a good job or that their read wasn't like interesting. Yeah. Because that's something that I know for myself as an actor, it's like, well, I didn't get the role. There must like that must mean that I sucked, that I was terrible. Like what what was wrong with like my reads like am I it's so easy in this industry to start going through that downward spiral of yeah I'm not good enough and I know I keep bringing up Richard Horvitz but I've been taking so I've been working with him 
nonstop lately. And he has a saying that's so wonderful that I want to pass on. It's, I am enough because I am a human being. And it's so powerful. And I'm like, wow, no, that is, he's like, no, 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 you, you're enough. Like what you're doing is enough. And just because you didn't get the role doesn't mean you weren't good. It's just not where the casting directors decided to take it. And like, right. I like to think of uh, John Damasio or John, is it Dimaggio? Yeah. Dimaggio. I have a friend who has a last name Dimaggio. <laughs> so I was like, hmm. That, that, that's, how, uh, that's how you say it in Canada, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the yeah. Canadian dialect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. Congratulations, guys. Education. But um, there you go. <laughs> um, what he did for Futurama as mm-hmm. Bender. Like, I'm sure a lot of people gave it sort of like a classic, like robot stilted computer yeah. voice almost. But he comes out with just this drunk robot. Yeah. It's just John DiMaggio. And it's great. And it made the character so unique. And what's so important uh, for like to remember especially for people who want to get into this, is everyone has their own uniqueness to mm-hmm. their voice. Yeah, you can sound like other people. I might sound a little bit like Brina Palencia or Caitlin Glass, which I get a lot. And it's it's like, yeah, I might have similar vocal qualities, but my acting style and, you know, just approach to characters is very different. Mm-hmm. So everyone has like this wonderful uniqueness that you can bring to like any job that you get or any auditions that you get, because essentially auditioning is our job more than booking the role. Like our job is to audition. Oh, as an actor, your job is 100% unpaid job search. That is that is the entire job description. It's job search punctuated by brief moments of working, which is just kind of like the icing on the cake. Yeah, it's like, oh, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I did a thing that people are actually going to hear. They're not going to hear all this other stuff, but they're going to hear that. Um, But you are constantly working, even if you're not Mm -hmm. getting paid to work, quote unquote. I do love, though, that you brought up Bender and what John DiMaggio did with that. Because it also, it's such a gamble. Yeah. And you have to give yourself permission as an actor and as an artist to do what you want to do and what feels right for you because so much of this can be fear-led you know there comes um that panicky moment when you're like i haven't booked something in a while and i really need i need to book and and like you said anything you're thinking comes into your reads so if you're just desperately thinking i need to book this all the casting director is going to hear in in your read is, I need to book this and I'm panicked. And they're going to hear the desperation. Right. So it has to come, one, getting right with yourself mentally and emotionally and really deciding, you know what, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to do what speaks to me. I'm going to do what I feel would be me doing right by this character and and give yourself permission to be creative and to to give your art to something. Because it's not that John DiMaggio couldn't give it that stilted robot read. You know, like he he but it maybe that that would have been the direction he would have gone if he thought, oh, this is what they want, I should just do that. But he was like, no, I I want this character, or I would love it if Bender was this guy. So I'm just gonna be that guy. 
yeah he made a choice like a very um conscious choice it's like no 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 this is what i'm doing and he just played it goes back to right we're just we're all just playing we're in uh we're in a padded room making funny noises Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um no i think that's such a good point it's like no he made the choice to just go that route with it and i think that speaks to any great actor or any actor it's like no 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 it's life is already about choices and we just bring that into our craft essentially if that makes sense (laughs) yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think it's a better way to find fulfillment in what we're doing because Mm -hmm. most of the time we're auditioning and trying to get a job and if we're just trying to do what we think everyone else wants it's a really frustrating way to live yeah um versus sure maybe I didn't book it but I really did what I wanted to do with that character or I gave them uh, what I feel is the best of me and if you feel accomplished or fulfilled or like you did what you wanted to do then it was a great audition and you can move on from that the worst thing is to be like oh like I could have done better or what if I just done what I felt like doing you know because I'd rather miss out on that that job or whatever it is because you know maybe their vision and my vision didn't align but I felt good about what I did versus I tried to do what I think you wanted and you may have liked what I really wanted to do better and I'll never know yeah it's it kind of goes into giving yourself permission to play and just to you know it's like maybe like yeah the breakdown doesn't necessarily say to give her a Canadian accent. But what if I did? And that's how I got Moose. <laughs> Is that's I was awesome. Like, All right, I well, love here's that. my standard American <laughs> Moose. Here's my American Moose, but here's my Canadian one. And that's what booked. So it's just being it. like allowing yourself to just do that thing that your heart is telling you to do. It's like, no, 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 I'm yeah. going to just go for it and have fun. And that's going to show. Yeah. And I love that we're having this discussion for anyone who is interested in getting into VO and maybe is not there yet. They're thinking about it or they're earlier in their career Mm -hmm. or even later, because sometimes just having this mind shift comes with experience and and just time down in the trenches, because early on, there is that sense of oh, like I have to I have to do it the right way. Or, you know, you look at successful and talented voice actors and you think like, clearly they're doing it the right way. So I should try and emulate that. And I think the more you live within this industry and the more you come to terms with your own creativity and your own agency as a creative person, the more you can give yourself that permission and say, you know what? I'm totally just going to take responsibility for this and I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to do something that only I can do. And and that's okay. Yeah. And that comes that comes with time, I think. Comes with time and experience in anything. Like no matter what you're doing, like you're only going to get better the more you practice and the more you just keep at it. Like every audition is going to be better than the last one. Every session will be better than the last one. Yeah, you might have some hiccups during like I was going to say, yeah, you have your off days, but but overall, yeah, it's a growth trend. Exactly. It's like you're always learning. Like you never stop learning and no matter what field you're in. 
It's like, I've been a barista for seven years. I'm always learning new things about that. I'm always learning new techniques of like how to edit my auditions or anything like that. You're awesome. I love I love how <laughs> growth focused you are. And um, yeah, like your, your mindset is just I can pull from everything and I'm just going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. And I think that really separates people out because it it is it can get so easy to just get in your head and say and, and play back that that same, you know, clip of I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm not booking. Mm hmm. And that it, it doesn't serve you. It's better to say, you know what? Okay, that one didn't work out. You know, we're we're scrapping that. We're moving forward. We're learning from this. And we're just going to keep going. Yeah, exactly. Because for me, I'm like, I've been in that garbage headspace of I'm not good enough. I'm not booking anything. And you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. You get frustrated with yourself. And you're, I've had moments I'm like, well, maybe I should just, guess I'll just quit this and go do something else. I don't know. I don't know what else I want to do. So instead of just sitting in that, I was like, well, okay, I'm not booking right now. Uh, so what can I do to improve and just work on my craft in the meantime? I'm like, all right, I'm going to email Horvitz and sign up for some classes. I'm going to start reading more and I'm going to go do some more audiobooks. I've done a lot of audiobooks. I did three this year, I think. And I'm like, well, I'm I know that audiobooks are my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go audition for some of those and see how that goes. And I booked because it's it was the taking action. Yeah. And as soon as you make the choice to take action, whatever higher power there is or whatever is out there, I don't know. The universe knows it knows that you are on the right path once you fully commit to something. Once you say, no, I'm doing this and you are fully committed to going forward. As soon as I decided that, no, I'm going to go full force with voiceover. I'm going to do my very best with every audition. I'm going to audition for everything my agent sends me, even if I don't think I'm right for it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it anyway. That's when things sort of like sort of started falling into place. I started getting more animation auditions, which I had put on a list for myself. It's like, no, I want to audition for more prelay. Mm-hmm. I would love to do more prelay. I'm doing a um, a new animated series for like a guy who does a comic, but he also animates. And he's like, all right, I want you to be the lead female in this. I'm like, oh, I put down on my list that I want to do prelay. Hmm. Well, there's prelay. Great. Love it. Check it off. Check it off the list. Yeah. So it's one, it's something you can like check off and there's something so like gratifying about being to check off those things that seemed so far off yeah like previously but for me it's about making a decision and sticking to it well what are what are some other things on those on that list because I mean I know you do a lot of anime and you have a huge (laughs) following in the anime community but you were saying you wanted to do more prelay so so what else is on that kind of dream list of dream future roles Oh, man. For me, I would really love to do mocap. Ah, uh, that's, that's a good one. That's something that I would love to do. I play a lot of um, survival horror games. Mm. <laughs> um, Until Dawn by Supermassive is one of my favorites. I just played their new game, Man of Medan, and uh, I played a lot of Detroit Become Human. I, I love video games. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> tell. tell. No, really? Me? <laughs> but um, I was so subtle about it. But um, I would love to do a horror game 
like Until Dawn or something like that because it's interesting where they pull like these horror stories from. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted – I'm a huge horror nerd. Um, like I just went and saw the new It movie and I was like, well, I'm, can I go watch that again? Like it didn't really <laughs> freak me out, freak me out, but it was so good. I loved A Quiet Place. I want to do more horror. Horror anime, prelay, video games. I would love to do it. Maybe it's because I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I feel like mocap horror video game that I'm putting that on my list. That's something that I would love to do. Awesome. All right. Well, we've put it out there. So (laughs) I'm putting it out to the universe. All right, universe, (laughs) I'm ready. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, then I do want to ask you a little bit more about some of your favorite anime, like growing up and like some, some big influences for you. Oh, man. Well, a big one, obviously, we talked about it at the beginning, yes. is Fruits Basket. That was one of the first shows, uh, like first English dubbed anime that I ever watched all the way through. Is the first show that made me like cry and get super like invested in these people. Mm-hmm. And I think the story is so beautiful. And I think especially watching it so young, it teaches you a lot about relationships And the relationship you have not only with yourself or any past traumas, but the relationship you have with other people and how even if you think of yourself as inconsequential, you don't you don't know the impact that you're going to have on other people. And for me, it's a show that especially revisiting it now with like the new uh, like the new version Mm -hmm. out now. Yeah, it's what reminds me to speak from love and tell people in my life how much I do love them and how much they mean to me and tell them uh, what they've taught me and everything like that. It reminds me to speak from love. Yeah. And that's what that show, what I get from that show. So being a part of it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is coming full circle. And it's another reminder to be grateful for everything in your life. Another show that influential, my favorite show of all time, anime wise, is a show called D Gray Man. Okay, it's it's sort of a gothic horror. Um, well, not so much horror, but it's like gothic fantasy. I don't know how to describe it, but essentially, it's about a young boy who gets uh, cursed when he's younger, and he becomes an exorcist. So he has to defeat these creatures called Akuma. Or demons, depending on, you know, what translation. It's just a really good show. And it came around. It's honestly a show that talks a lot about loss. And it came around for me uh, shortly after my dad passed away. So it was very influential for me because there's uh, the main character's adoptive father has has a saying. It's like, never stop, keep walking. I have that as a tattoo on my arm. Because it was like, well, this is such a reminder just in general, not even about the show, but it's just a reminder in the gen- in general that no matter what happens, keep going. Like, don't stop just because there's roadblocks in your way. Um, I think for a show that I've worked on, uh, Helpful Fox Senko-san, I call that show, it's, it's like a warm hug. You'd think uh, because uh, it's about like, a guy in like his late 20s, early 30s, who's like downtrodden. And this cute fox girl comes into his life with normal anime. You'd think it would go a very different direction. (laughs) But it's just the most wholesome, 
it's wholesome and it's like a fam it's like watching a family go through life and it's just sweet and wonderful and i'm so grateful that i got to be on that show uh, jade saxton the director i was like surprised that she called me in um because we don't have a lot of auditions at funimation mm-hmm. so when i got called for the audition i was sick oh no <laughs> i had i was just getting over the flu and it's like all right we want you to audition for this show i'm like i don't have my high register like my voice is gone at all i'm dead so the first episode of uh, the show, I was sick. Oh, no. I, you can tell that I'm, I still have a head cold. Um, everyone's like, no, I couldn't tell at all. Like, you sounded fine. It's like, I'm glad you think so. But yeah, those are some of the shows that I'm just like, no, these are my favorite. I went on a long tangent about no, emotion. not at all. I love it. And the thing that I love about anime, so Japanese animation in particular, mm-hmm. is that even before Western animation started addressing more wide-ranging topics, basically. Um, they never shied away from doing the the big stuff or the scary stuff or talking about life. You know, th- there was a sense, um, just historically in the West, that animation was a child's medium and um, that you could tell a limited variety of stories. Yeah. And, and in Japan, it was just seen as another medium to tell a story whatever that story was. So, I mean, you know, like you even had a great range there from shoujo to gothic fantasy to, you know, irreverent comedy and um, slice of life and horror. Like everything exists in the animated spectrum mm-hmm. in in the, the Japanese yeah, tradition. a lot of people don't realize that it's um, like, it's not a genre. Anime is not a genre. It's a medium. It's a medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that Western animation um, has uh, has figured that out in recent years. And it wasn't that people didn't know it. I think there are people now who grew up watching anime and loving those stories and people who just love storytelling and maybe come from the video game world mm-hmm. um, who are, are starting to have the opportunity and the outlet to tell those stories in an animated medium. So I am really excited with where um, Western prelay animation is going um, because you see such a variety of stories being told. And um, it's not to say that, you know, we didn't have any over the last few years. You know, you had comedies like Family Guy and The Simpsons and, um, you know, Futurama and, but there, there was kind of this divide between there's kids animation and then there's like a reverent adult comedy. Yeah, like there was no sort of in between. And especially now with shows like Steven Universe, which mm. touches on so many things. I'm a huge fan of that show. Um, and a lot of newer like cartoons that are coming out, like they're getting less afraid to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think about Castlevania, actually. <laughs> I know to to bring hey. it over to you. <laughs> um, I I love that show, and I love that it got a chance to become yeah. like a full fledged animated series because it's a story that some people are familiar with, or a lot of people they're like, oh, like I I remember the video game. Mm-hmm. I don't remember playing it, but it was there, and I love that it got a voice. And that it is, it's dark, it's funny. Like there's a lot of really funny moments. Um, yeah. But I think it really showed off uh, where animation in the West can go and what we can really do with it. Because it goes back to playing. All of us in the creative medium 
we're just playing, honestly, and having a great yeah. time doing what we're doing. Yeah, it can get stressful. But I think American animation is definitely going in the right direction, especially in recent years. And I think it was all about it just getting a chance because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm incredibly biased, but also not really because I think I can objectively say that the team behind Castlevania is just phenomenal. And um, it really was, you know, for Sam and Adam and, and the guys at Powerhouse, it was kind of their love letter to growing up with anime. Yeah. And um, and being able to work with an amazing storyline because Warren Ellis, our writer and creator, is is insanely talented and um, he brings so much nuance to the story. And he was so good at honoring what came before and then also mm -hmm. creating something entirely new, which goes back to, to what we were saying before about really giving yourself permission to just do what you want to do and what feels right for you. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad that they got that chance finally to show everyone, you know, to show everyone their stuff. <laughs> Here is my stuff. Yeah. It is awesome. Please watch it. No, and I think it's it's so easy to tell, like, how much love went into it. Like, not just, um, like, the art and the story. It's, like, the way it was cast and everything. And this is not me just going, oh, Alejandra, you're so wonderful. <laughs> Look at you in this show. Oh, stop but it. Also that. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. What do you think about me? But um, I think the cast alone uh, is just so amazing for that show. Like everyone, like yourself included, clearly just giving it your all and having like such a great time and everyone bringing so much of themselves like some mm -hmm. themselves to the role and yeah. that they're playing it's so clear that everyone is like just giving nothing but like love and respect to the project they're working on and I think it shows yeah you know and I will say that I think Stifa was a turning point for me creatively because it was the first character that felt so personal in, in mm -hmm. a way um it just I felt so much like I gave a lot of me to her and I felt such an agency in helping find her and to create her. And I think before this, um, it was very much that mindset of I just want to I just want to be good enough or I want to do it right. And I think with her, I think everyone involved and in Warren, our writer and our director, Meredith, uh, our voice director and and mm -hmm. Sam, our animation director and Kevin, everyone. Um, they really just kind of gave me that space to to find her and do what I wanted to do with her. And uh, yeah. that was a gift. And it's it's definitely carried me through um, this next phase in my career, I think. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful to everyone in that project and, and to to Saifa, to that character. Yeah, I think it's um, amazing. Like what a single character can do for us not only personally mm -hmm. but like career-wise or anything like that and I think it's like I think it's something we should all be very grateful for in this industry it's like you don't realize uh, maybe in the moment what this character is going to end up meaning to you mm -hmm. and what going on this journey with them is going to teach you getting the agency to just kind of play and build that character which is something that intrigues me so much about prelay because with anime look i love anime i'm so grateful that i get to work on it i love it so much but it's we are constrained right by like the lip flaps and everything yeah. like that like we have to make it 
match. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't bring as much as you would like to right. to this character. So I think it's really cool hearing you talk about um, creating Saifa and um, just building that character with the team and getting to bring some of yourself to her. I think that's so cool in a sense. And I love that part of the industry and just that part of acting yeah. as well. Yeah. No, and again, I think it was just the perfect storm of the creative minds involved because mm-hmm. you never know how constricted you're going to be. And um, like you mentioned with with anime and and working and uh, in dubbing, how you are constrained to these technical limitations. You know, you have to match lip flap. There is a certain pacing that's already been set for you, you know, depending on what your character is actually doing and their facial expression, what's happening. A lot of that has already been predetermined. And so you're mm-hmm. having to to do a lot of this backwards where you're finding that life and that emotionality and that honesty and also having it fit something that already exists. So yeah. in that sense, I think as much as people know about anime dubbing, I don't know how much people appreciate how much skill and and technique has to go into this to also then be able to get that emotional rise out of people. Um, and that's also why I love the Fruits Basket dub. For one, I think this is going to turn into like a Caitlin Glass like fangirl moment. But I think a lot of the oh, yeah, projects yeah, that she's a lot of the projects that she's helmed just have such a, a like humanity to them and like a love. Yeah, and you can feel that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people appreciate what anime dub actors do enough that they can still get you to feel that working in such a constrained environment. Yeah, and it is a whole different art form within the industry and I talk to a lot of the directors like at funny uh, or funimation (laughs) I just call it funny but um I think Caitlin is just so incredibly thoughtful especially when she like really loves a show like if you look at uh card captor Sakura when she did that one like Hmm. some people were like oh like it's this this is an interesting choice I don't know how that's gonna sound like when the cast announcement goes up it's like really that's who you can and then you hear it and you're like oh my gosh that's exactly what it needed uh it just gives it like that perfect flavor and for the fruits basket dub I love that almost everybody came back because they've already spent so much time with these characters doing the original Mm -hmm. 26 episodes and having them come back they know these characters even better now yeah yeah there's something so cathartic about that Mm -hmm. yeah so i think i I agree i'm like i work with her i'm a a (laughs) glass fan girl i love her like she's just such a wonderful person and she's great at just finding wonderful actors you know Mm -hmm. like like you hayden oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) because it's all about being able to assemble that team yeah we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show and uh, do an in-depth dive on uh, you, yeah. your, your commentary on some of the shows you've worked on. Um, yes. <laughs> unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time here today. I think it was super helpful for our listeners. I think there's a lot of great stuff here for people to unpack themselves. But we're definitely going to have to have you back for a, a nice um, conversation, a more in-depth yeah, dive of course. Into, into your work. I can ramble forever. <laughs> Last question, and this is what we're going to leave everyone with. 
what would be your best advice to your past self when you were starting out? Oh, goodness. Um, that's a tough one because then, like, there's a lot that I would want to tell them. It's like, it, the easy one is it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, don't stop learning just because you're homeschooled. Because I was homeschooled for many, many years, like starting in middle school. So I was like, don't ever stop learning. Always be willing to learn because it's very easy to get complacent. It's like, don't give up on this crazy anime dream that you have and keep acting, I guess. Because I, I wouldn't want to give my younger me any spoilers. Yes. You don't want to risk changing the future. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to be working at McDonald's because I jumped in too soon. <laughs> don't give up. Sounds good. It's nice and aspirational. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, now the floor is yours. If you would like to plug any upcoming projects or social media or YouTube or Twitch related things, the floor is yours. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitch at Hey Bale Voice. That's H-A-Y-B-A-L-E Voice. I had to take a moment. I was like, did I spell that right? I'm a writer. <laughs> hmm. Spelling. But uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can also find me on twitch.tv slash heybalevoice. I stream infrequently right now, but I'm hoping to get back to it. I stream a lot of uh, choice-based games where you guys can choose with me how our adventure goes. Um, let's see what uh, upcoming projects. Nothing too much right now, but I am working on the Percy Jackson audio drama series. I'm working on episode three. We're revamping the first two episodes with brand new art. So if you are a fan of Rick Riordan's books, go check those out. I would love to have you join our little our party of demi-dorks, as I like to call us. Nice. <laughs> um, but that's just Hayden Davio on YouTube. It will probably be the first thing that comes up for you. And that's about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been really fun. Thank you, Alejandra. Yeah, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. This has been of a course. ton of fun. I appreciate Anytime. you being on the show, being that we are cyber buddies. Yeah. And um, be sure to check out Hayden as Siberian Moose on Kimono Friends. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited to check that out. I want to hear your Canadian moose. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Hayden Davio as much as I did. We covered a lot of great stuff there. From what your process can look like, to working from a place of motivation, to finding inspiration and ways of combating that I'm not good enough or I'm not enough soundtrack that can start to play in your head, as well as the future of animation in the West and what it looks like to dub Japanese anime into English. I'm so glad you could join us. If you are enjoying these episodes as much as I am enjoying bringing them to you, please leave a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Please leave a review and let me know how you're liking it and let other people know how much you love the podcast and why they should listen too. All right, until next time, I'll be back with another episode. But for now, we'll call this one episode 202. Never Stop, Keep Walking with Hayden Davio.